Thank you for coming. What a wonderful baptismal service. Our children getting ready for children's church. Look at them. Good group. Wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, I hope the children's church workers are smiling when it's over with. <laughs> Good group today. My goodness. That's wonderful. So we need more volunteers, if you will. You see the great need. And the more that come in, the more we need volunteers. So pray about that, then sign up and help us with that, if you will, please. Matthew 27, if you will, please. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 27, verses 17 through 22. We'll look at a question asked by Pilate concerning Jesus in verse 22. Matthew 27, if you will, please. Love this place, love this time, live and breathe for these moments. Oh my, the clock just flies by. It's a two-armed bandit that robs us of all that we need to have together. But let's enjoy this moment, if you will. Matthew 27, verse 17. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether the twain will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. Notice the question asked by Pilate to the Jewish leaders. What then shall I do with Jesus? Here's the question. Where does Jesus fit in? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here in this wonderful group this morning. And the, the atmosphere and the, and the spirit of worship. And now, Holy Spirit, I beg of you unashamedly, I beg of you publicly, please be our preacher today. I'm woefully inadequate. I do not have what these dear ones need, but you do. Meet every need in every life of those standing before me. And I promise you, dear Lord, we'll give you all the praise for it. For asking in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Most of us are familiar with the Passion Week of Christ. The last week of His life before Calvary. Starting with the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And then there was the Passover where He added the Lord's Supper into that Passover. And we observe that here regularly. Then there was the arrest of Jesus late at night in the Garden of Gethsemane. A howling mob, a brutal mob was there as if he were some kind of a threat and that he would resist, but there was no resistance. Then there was the mock trials, Jewish and Roman, all before sunup, which was against the law to do such a thing. By 9 a.m. on that Friday morning, he was hanging on a cruel tree, bleeding and dying. And for six hours, he was on that cross. Then after three days and three nights, there's this glorious resurrection. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. All those events constitute what we call the betrayal of Jesus and the arrest and trial and his passion week. Now it appears here that Pilate, the governor, and the Jewish leaders are in control of all these events. After all, Pilate answered to no one but Caesar. These Jewish leaders who made up the Sanhedrin, 71 members, it was called the Supreme Court of Israel, the Sanhedrin Court. All this power, all this authority was there. You would think men were in control And after all, they chose a common criminal, Barabbas, to take the place of Jesus being released. My, what a thing. It resulted in this dilemma. What are we going to do with Jesus? We've released Barabbas. Here's Jesus. What do you want to do with Jesus? How does he fit in to all of this? Though it appeared that the Jewish authorities and the Roman pilot governor was in charge of it all, that was not it at all. There was a higher power in control. That was Jesus, Heavenly Father, controlling everything. But the whole matter comes down to where does Jesus fit in? No different in our day. We have the religious nationalism coming in now that is trying to get together all the Orthodox churches, that is all of them who say they believe in the fundamentals of the faith, trying to pull all of the religions together and have a national religion. There is the moral issue. And what might be your truth is not my truth. What you see, I might not see it that way. And it becomes hopeless morality. Who's in charge of that anymore? Revivals, what's real, what's counterfeit. Our own beloved Southern Baptist Convention, shaken and threatened and divided. Economics, the trends of the day. It all comes down to this. Where does Jesus fit in? Well, actually, he doesn't fit into anything. You can't fit him into anything. He's not part of anything. He's the whole matter of it all. The first reason you can't fit Jesus into anything is because he is sovereign. Psalm 115 verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does as he pleases. Psalm 103 verse 19, the Lord's throne is in heaven and he rules over all. Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him in heaven and in earth. And to add to the absurdity of thinking that Jesus could be a part of something, that he would fit into something, the apostle asked this question in Romans 9 verse 20, shall the thing formed say to him who formed it, why did you make me thus? Here's the bottom line to the whole thing. God was here first. God created all things. God gave you life. That means everything is subject to his authority. 
because he is the creator. He has all authority and power and no one trumps his power and position. The Lord is master over all things. He does not fit into anything. The whims and fancies of the human mind. Where will I put Jesus? Shall I give him a try? Shall he fit into this? Maybe he can help me with that. No, it's all too far gone for that. He doesn't fit into anything. We don't need his help. We're too far gone for help. We need him to take over. And that's the only hope we have anywhere in this country. It's the only hope you have. It's the only hope your family has. It's the only hope our churches have is not to try to find a place for Jesus to fit in, but just realize if anything good's going to happen, he has to take completely over. Amen. We're too far gone. It's too late. Our lives are too messed up. You've got too many problems to solve yourself. You don't need a little helping hand. You need the Son of God to rule and reign over your life and say, you've tried it and failed. Let me show you what I can do. So the first reason why Jesus does not fit in anywhere is because he's sovereign. There's a second thing. If you'd like to know what it is, say amen. Amen. Not only is he sovereign, he is Savior. Verse 27 again, in this Matthew 27 and verse 22, this question that Pilate asked, what then shall we do with Jesus? It appears here that Jesus needed to be saved from men because they were bloodthirsty. They were out to kill him. They were out to destroy the Son of God and it appeared that he was helpless that he was a victim, that he needed to be saved from men instead of being a savior of men. In fact, in verse 42, the Jewish elders railed out against him and said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. But that's just the way it seemed. Instead of the cross being the will of evil men and the devil to destroy Jesus, the cross was all God's idea. Before there was a hill called Calvary, before there was a Jewish nation, before there was the evil plot in the minds of Jewish leaders, there was Calvary in the mind of God the Father. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, according to Revelation 13, 8. Calvary was no afterthought, Calvary was not something invented by men. Calvary was not to where Jesus would be crucified because he was hated by the Jewish elders. Jesus was crucified because it was the plan and purpose of God before the world was. So you and I could have redemption through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord does not fit in anywhere. He's unique. There's no one else like him. Never has been, never will be again. He's not just a man. He's the God man. He doesn't have just some power. He has all power. 
He does not have a little bit of ability to fit into your little life and try to help you out a little bit. He says, move over and let me take over. I'm the only one that can help you. Your life's too messed up. You're too far gone. You cannot solve your problems. He is the only one who can do any good. You say, well, where does he fit in around here at Fellowship Baptist Church? He's not a member. He's the head of it. He runs it. Whatever he wants, he gets it. He's in charge. He's in control. We don't say, Lord, would you come and help us? We say, Lord, take over. We're too far gone for help. If we ever have revival, if we ever have anything worthwhile, if we ever have lives changed, if we ever have families saved, it'll be because he comes in, kicks out the walls and says, I'm taking over. He's the only one who can, ladies and gentlemen. He does not fit in. He either takes over, he's Lord, or he's last. He is never second place in your life. As long as you think you can kind of handle it, you can forget it. He will not be around you. You'll not experience Him whatsoever. But when you run down here and say, I'm out of it. I'm at wit's end. I have no more resources. I've tried everything I know to do. I'm sick and tired of it all. I need Christ to take over my life. Then in there you'll get the help you need, but not until. You say, well, my family's kind of struggling along. Your family's probably worse off than you think it is. You say, well, we need a little help. No, you need a lot of help. This is the 21st century. In case you haven't noticed, in case you haven't looked around, everything's stacked up against you and your family. Everything out there is devised to take down anything that's right, good, and moral, and godly. And the only reason, the only hope your family has, the only church hopes, the only hope that churches have is for our Lord to come in and say, you've tried it, you don't need my help, you need me to take over. There's no place for Jesus to fit into your life. He won't even allow that. You say, well, I'm, I, I know I need to move this around over here, move that around and see if he can help me in this area. There's no room for him to fit. He either takes over and runs it or he gives it back to you. Amen. He will not allow you to treat him in such a fashion. And by the way, with all the board meetings going on, and all the conferences around the country, it looks like they'd invite Jesus to come in every once in a while. He's not a member of the board. He's chairman of the board. He runs it or it's ruined and we're too far gone and there's no help. There's no hope apart from the Savior. You do not want a God that answers to your whims and fancies. You would have no respect for a God that you could move around in your life and dictate to him and say, well, you can help with this, but I think I'll hold on to that. Oh, no, he's going to run it or you're going to run it and ruin it. You would not respect a God that you could move around in your life like that. You have to have someone that demands respect and deserves your love and loyalty. Anything else is not a God that would do you any good. You want a God that you can look up to and respect and admire and revere and say, he demands all of me. He expects my love. 
He expects my loyalty. Anything less, you will not respect and you do not want a God of that fashion. You want a God who says, if you're not for me, you're against me. You want a God who says, if you want to walk with me, you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You want a God who will say to you, if you'll let me have your life, I'll make something out of it. If you'll let me have your family, I'll make it happier than it's ever been. I'll give you a love for each other, spousal love, marital love, like you've never known before. I'll bless your children. I'll help you economically. I'll help you in every way possible. But you've got to let me take over. Quit trying to fit me in. I don't fit in anywhere. He doesn't fit in. He's Lord or last. He's never next to anything. And really and truly, you don't need anything other than a God who will say that to you. I want to ask you something today. Where do you try to fit Jesus into your world? Where do you try to put him? I heard a sermon years ago, Brother Doug, lifting the latch on the last door. There's always one compartment in your life. There's always one back room that's latched, and it's just yours. It's got your pet sins in it. It's got your attitudes in it. It's got your self-will in it. It's what you want in it. It's got your plans and dreams in it and your goals in it. But until you walk around, lift the latch on that last door and say, this room is yours also. I'm giving you all of my life. Until you do that, you're spinning your wheels, wasting your time. Oh yes, you can go with your life. You can have your little lifetime. You can do your thing. You can go here. You can go there. You can earn a living. You can retire. But then when you lay down to die, you've got absolutely nothing to show for it. The only one who has a life worth living is the one who has said to Christ, come and reign over me. Come and take over my world. Manage every facet of my being, every part of my world. I want you to be Lord and Master. I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what you're doing. Make something out of me and live in me so that others can see Christ. Have we not gotten to the point yet, ladies and gentlemen, that we've about figured out this whole thing is not working? It ain't working. The only way it's going to really work is to let him be Lord and Master. Jesus doesn't fit into your little plans in your little world. He wants to take over that. Not to make it more difficult for you. Not to take away anything good from you. Do you think he's that kind of a God who would give his son on Calvary for you, loving you so much in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for you? Do you think he wants less than the best for you? You're the one that's in the way of that, not the Christ. Let him give you all that he wants you to have. And ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, business will pick up. You'll put a smile on your face, a spring in your step, and you'll say, hey, life's worth living after all, hand in hand with the Savior. But anything less, you're going to struggle. And I don't want that for you.
And so today, are you to the point to where you realize we're past help on anything we might come up with? Are you to the point where you realize if our church is going to thrive and experience old-fashioned heaven-sent, sin-hating, soul-winning, Christ-honoring, sky-blue revival, if we're ever going to experience anything real, it'll be by saying, Lord, we can't do this. You're going to have to come and take over. And He'll do that very thing. I don't think anybody in here that's in their right mind wants a God that you can push around and maneuver around and fit Him in anywhere you want. You have no respect for a God like that. The God of the Bible says, if you want me, you've got to deny yourself and follow me. You'll have me when you want me more than you want anything else. You'll have me when you come to wit's end. When you realize that doctors, medications, counseling, all of it has its place, but it just is not enough. The only one who can really make it real and really bring about a healing and really bring revival is our wonderful, wonderful Lord. He's not here to help out today, ladies and gentlemen. He's here to take over. And he's looking for people who say, I'm ready. I've tried. I'm tired. The church thing, the routine, the all of it, I'm tired of it. I want my Savior. I want my Lord. And that's all I want. Let's bow for prayer. Our musicians are coming. I don't know about you. But I don't want the rank and file, the routine and the ordinary. I need more than that. This 21st century will wear you out, rob you of any kind of real meaning in life. It'll, it'll strip you and leave you for the road in half dead. Our Savior's the only one who can meet your innermost needs. He's here for that today. He's standing saying, I'm here if you want me. He will not impose. He will not intrude. But if you want him, he's here for you. If you're desperate for the Son of God, he's desperate for you. I want you to stand, if you will, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. People are coming already. Roger, what are we going to sing today? I said you want church Folks, if you really want something from God, if you really understand your past help, you can't stop this. You can't turn it around. I don't know what's going on in your life, but it's bigger than you. You can't handle it. Come down here and let Him handle it for you. People are coming already. Come with your families. Do whatever you need to do, please. It's too late in the hour. There's too much at stake. Let's not do this anymore. Let's get it all right with God. He's not here to help. He's here to take over. You come while we sing. Roger, you lead us.
the next verse. Let me ask you a question. First of all, how many in the room can say, Preacher, Jesus, who was crucified, poured out His blood. He did that for me. He's my Savior. I have accepted Him. I repented of my sinfulness. He's washed my sins away in His own blood. He lives in my heart. If I died today, I'd go to heaven. Preacher, I'm saved and sure. Could I see your hands? I know that. I know that. You can put your hands down. Preacher, I know you're not going to come to me or embarrass me, and I won't. I'd rather die than embarrass you. This is you and God. Preacher, I don't know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I don't know if Jesus lives in my heart. I'm not sure. But I'd like to be remembered in prayer. Pray for me. Lift your hand, please. Up and down. I'm not sure I'm saved. Thank you. Preacher, you said that he's not interested in just helping me out a little bit along the way. He wants to be Lord and Master. He wants to lift my burdens and change my life and He's the only one who can. Preacher, I do have burdens today. I have some real things that are pressing on my mind. And I need help and my family needs help. God knows your need, but preacher, I have special needs. Pray for me, lift your hand. God bless you and you and you. Then I'm going to invite you to come if you'd like. Remember, He doesn't impose. He's not intrusive. He will not force you to let Him help you. But if you'll walk down here, I promise you, He'll meet you and help you with your need. This verse is for all you that raised your hands and others as well. And if you want to come for church membership, you can do that as well. But let's sing it out together prayerfully. And you come, please obey the Lord while we sing it together.
one coming for membership today, and we're getting the information. And isn't it good to be here today? Well, yes. I'm sick and tired of religion. I'm sick and tired of this stuff. I want something that's real in our Lord to walk in and say, you've tried it and messed it up. Let me help you out. Let me take over and show you how it's done. That's what I want. Don't you? I want something God can do. Anyway, t- tell us who we have, honey. And where'd she go? Okay, you got to get back down here, honey. We can't do this if you're not down here. Nancy Nancy Delong. Yeah, I know you already. This is Nancy Delong. We've known her a while, her family, and her her dear husband, bless his heart, he's had so many health problems. But Nancy's coming today by transfer of letter from another church. And if you receive her on that basis, would you raise your hand and say amen? Amen. And Nancy, we love you, honey. You're what we're going to do. We're going to love all over you. We're going to sing 32 verses of something. Something religious, make it religious. Something, just play something, just play and play and play. I want all of you, please. Uh, there's nothing more important in this time together. Come around and love on this dear lady. She had been through so much. Her family and all her sickness with her dad or their husband. And we love her today, Nancy. We love you. And we're going to close by this. Remember, choir practice at 5 o'clock. Please, everybody here at 5 o'clock. And you're dismissed on this. We'll see you at 5. God bless you. Come around and talk to Nancy.